0: junkies, crackheads, stoners, pill poppers, booze bags, coke fiends, ravers, rockers, hippies, hobos, potheads, wasteoids, losers, hipsters, racists, therapists, professors, homophobes, flaming homosexuals, big book thumpers, 12 steppers, hypnotists, skinheads, Mormons, Jews, agnostics, Eskimos, and any and all other members of the Dopey Nation. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drug addiction and dumb shit. And here's Dave and Chris.
1: Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave.
2: We don't have to do that anymore. I know. I wanted to throw you for a loop. I wanted to give you a little treat. You didn't think I was paying attention.
1: I figured you'd like that. You'd love it when we
2: do that. I'm Chris. That's good. (laughs)
1: I'm glad. (laughs) I'm so glad. Um, So, yeah, we're in the the luxurious uh, Hamptons, which I love. I think we do probably our best work here.
2: Snowden.
1: Snowden. Edward Snowden.
2: We got Sammy over here. We got the dog. And I got uh, Sammy is uh, my girlfriend's dog, and he's afraid of the guitar. And he's also afraid of. All right, enough. You know, you don't have to you know, to frighten him to death. He just ran away. He's afraid of the guitar. He's also afraid. We learned um, from New Year's those little tweet tweet things. These this, these called guys noise makers. Noise makers. These guys. <laughs> he's terrified of that. So we've just saved it since New Year's. And whenever he's a bad dog, I just I don't even have to blow it. I don't even have to like make the noise. I just put it in my mouth, and he runs away. He's a bad dog. You know, he's a great dog. But I think we do our best Sam work... Is a good boy. We, say, yeah, he's a good boy.
1: <laughs> we do our best work in the Hamptons. I stand by that. You think so? I do, because there's a lot of reasons. You want to know the reasons? Acoustics? The acoustics are very good. Yeah. The acoustics are good. I feel wealthy when I'm here. There's, like... Chris has... His mother actually has, like, really... Most of the art is really, really nice. Yeah, she has very good taste in decorating There's stuff. a painting of a chair but the chair isn't a chair, the chair is hundreds of tiny chicks like little chicks like little hot women? (laughs) no, like little chickens and um, the kitchen is so open and stainless steel and uh, the living room or the back porch is this glassed in room and the front porch, it's just beautiful and it makes me feel wealthy and uh, we're unencumbered and I haven't worked all day and usually we do it during the day or even in the evening. But there's no fucking food. Do you have Excuse to work me. tonight? No. You mean tomorrow?
2: No. Oh, you're so lucky. But there's no food. It's so Yeah, we ate, there's ravioli. You don't want my raviolis. You weren't going to make it. I'd throw some water on. We
1: should have. It's too late now. now and I've gorged on chocolate and graham crackers.
2: All right, where are we headed with this episode? I'm going to get though? diabetes. What are, you, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm heading to an early grave. <laughs> yeah. Ooh.
1: Um fucking we have a potential guest who just texted me back Um, where are we heading with this episode let's just go into the old notes
2: file do you want me to play the voice memo you want to start with that it's up to you man why is it up to me because it's your show I'm just along for the ride go to work okay we're playing a voice memo from Stephanie and sorry if we haven't played your voice memo you don't don't really think it's my show pipe down yeah (laughs) thank you um, we're having some technical difficulties.
3: What's up, Dave? What's up, Chris? Hello, Dopey Nation. I am so excited to be calling in. I have been wanting to do this for a really long time. I really love your guys' podcast. I think that what you're doing for the recovery community as well as the using community is amazing. I think that there is definitely something to be said for understanding the war stories that addicts do go through on a day-to-day basis, as well as seeing that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you both are prime examples of that. And I think that It is just so heartwarming and amazing to see you guys grow and to be the influence of a lot of other people who I know have benefited from the podcast. And so I've been just really eager to call in and get in touch with you guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully you like my story. So this story takes place about a year ago. And to give you some idea of where both of us were at at this time, meaning my boyfriend and I. My boyfriend was out of had been out of prison for two years and pretty much on a constant run uh, the whole time. So he was doing dope, was doing xanax. I had been on a run for about a year and a half doing cocaine constantly, doing Xanax constantly as well. So one night we had received a call from one of our really good friends that he wanted us to come and pick him up from the rehab that he was currently in and wanted to get high. And when he asked us, I struggled with the thought because I didn't want to be the enabler of him getting high when he's trying to get clean and be in rehab. But then it dawned on me that he's going to get high no matter what. No matter if I bring my car there for him to get out of there or whether he runs out of there on his own free will because he doesn't want to take it anymore. So we get in the car and we drive up there and It's during a class, and we pull in, and we text him, and we're like, hey, we're here. And he comes out, and he kind of James Bonds into the car because he doesn't want anybody to see him leaving rehab, obviously. So we leave, and there's a little plaza right next to it with a few stores in it. So we turn in there and he sees a Starbucks and he's like, okay, I'm just going to go into Starbucks and use their bathroom to obviously go and shoot up and get high. So I see that there's a lingerie store right next to it. So I tell my boyfriend, okay, let's go in there so that we don't have to just sit in the car. We go in the store, and we've been in the store now for probably three to five minutes, and these three guys walk in, and they're pissed off. They come, like, charging in, and they walk right up to my boyfriend, and they're like, what the fuck, dude? What what did you give my boy? What, what the fuck did you give him? He's fucked up. What did you give him? I'm like, oh, shit. They obviously went over to Starbucks and knocked on the bathroom door and... Either he opened the door or didn't or whatever. They obviously knew what was going on. They just came in and they charged right at us. And they were not fucking around. And they were like, you know, what the fuck are you doing here? And so the girl at the, at the lingerie store is looking at me like, do I need to call the cops? Being in this life already for this long, I know that you just deal with fucking crazies all the time. So I'm like, it's all good. We're going to go, you know. So we leave. And we're walking out and these guys are now yelling, I have your license plate number. I'm going to call the cops on you. So I was like, we need to get the fuck out of here. My boyfriend is on probation. We have drugs in the car and on us. We've obviously just picked up somebody who is now high in the bathroom. Like we need to get the fuck out of here. So we get in the car and I look to my boyfriend and I say, what do we do about homie in the bathroom? Are we just going to leave him there? What the fuck do we do? He's one of our friends. We don't want to just leave him. But now we're all at risk of getting in trouble. What do we do? So we take off and I feel like shit. And you know, I didn't want, I didn't want any of that to happen. I didn't anticipate any of that happening. But in the moment you think that everything's going to be okay. The rush is almost fun, no matter who wants to admit it or not. It is fun but when you take a step back you're like what the fuck was i thinking this story just kind of stuck out in my head because there's a few things that i realize now being sober my my boyfriend and i are now sober of over a year and i i am so thankful for that every day i never thought that we would get there honestly there was a point where we just didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel but when i see and look back now on that situation there's one aspect of how addicts are going to do whatever they can to get high and that the recovery community is very passionate about their peers within their own support groups and i think that that's really powerful and looking back on it now they did exactly what they should have done they you know if you saw one of your friends you're gonna go out there and you're gonna be like what the fuck is going on so you know that story was not so much dopey and crazy but I think that it just had a lot of different aspects to it and I'm gonna try and think of some more stories some more super dopey ones and reach back out to you guys thank you so much for everything you're doing keep doing it much love stay strong dopey nation toodles toodles
1: thank you stephanie sorry it took a song to play the voice yeah ma'am. thank you
2: stephanie hope you and your boyfriend are still on the right side of the old
1: fence if you get my drift
2: <laughs> That reminded me of a story – I don't know if I've ever told on Dopey. You'll have to tell me if I've told it. Okay. Um, so I ran away from rehab so many times. You know what I mean? There's like literally just – I have 10 stories like that. calling people, just running away with nothing or calling people up and people pick me up. But I was thinking of a similar story that I only have – actually have two of these type of stories. But one main one where I was living with some recovery guys and we relapsed. And they're like, dude, you got to go to treatment. And I really didn't want to go. And I was like – finally I was like, okay. I'll go to treatment, but I have to drink on the way. You told the story. I told the story. But not anyway. So I tell sure. Again? Yeah. Uh, and so I got a fifth of of uh, vodka, and uh, I drank the whole fifth on the way to rehab. It was a place called Cornerstone in Tustin, California, and. uh that's a lot to drink in, like, an hour. Like, it was, like, a shit – whatever. I don't know. It's, like, 20 drinks or something. It's a lot, you know? And so I get there, and I'm, like, shit-faced. Uh-huh. And, like, my roommate is this older guy named Peter. Like, he just, like, doesn't even want to deal with me. Basically just, like, kicks me out of the car to go into to treatment. So I go inside. And it's night now. I start blacking out. I vaguely remember talking to different people, and I guess the staff – you know, they had a detox on site. The staff starts panicking, and they're basically, like – we can't deal with this guy because I'm like flirting with the girls and stuff like that and so they call the doctor and they're like what should I do they're like what should we do with him like he's still he's shit-faced right now like they have like the meds they're going to give me but they didn't or they're waiting until I'm not shit-faced to give me the meds and the doctor said and I remember this even though I was like getting to the brown and blackout thing I remember him they, he told them and then I overheard somehow give him 30 millig- uh, milligrams of valium like three blues like that's a lot that's, like, and I was shit-faced already and like when I take Valium and I'm drunk, like, a lot of people put some to bed. It gives me, like, superhuman strength. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, like, the worst thing you can give me when I'm, when I'm drunk. So they give me three Valiums, three of the blues, you know, three of the tens, and, uh, and I black out, right? And I wake up the next day. And I'm in this detox room, and there's four beds in there, and I'm the only one staying in there. The other three beds are all, they're all like twin beds, are all knocked off the beds. The blinds are literally ripped down off the thing. All the drawers are opened up. One of them is pulled out entirely. Like, there is, like, actual, real It's damage. like a cartoon.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, like, like, it's like, just I, don't I, let I, me
2: smoke crack, because <laughs> if I smoke crack, it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. like, it's yeah. like
1: being a prisoner and was, trying to get the th- one, the Hulk.
2: Yeah. Don't make me angry. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. And it was like it was like they closed the caged animal in the room, and it's like almost like I never thought to open the door, but I just destroyed this room. So I wake up the next day, and the first thing I think is like, "I gotta get out of here." <laughs> <It> <laughs> fucking <laughs> sucks. So literally, they, they drop me at rehab shit face. I got even more wasted, and then I wake up there, and I'm like, "Fuck this! I'm not doing it." I had my fill. So goals. I yeah, so, move along. So I go into like the administrative area, and I'm like, "Hi, like, uh, like." I, I don't think I can do this. Like, I want to leave. And they're just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, my God. And I'm like, insistent. And so they're like, okay. And I was like, do I have any belongings, right? And I had no wallet. I had nothing with me. This was in my belongings. I remember it's a Ziploc bag. It was my name on it. They go in, and the woman takes it out. And I saw this woman. I went to this place three times. I ended up getting to know her pretty well. And like, I'd already met her once before. And she takes out my Ziploc bag. This is Chris O'Connor my only belonging is a six-inch butterfly knife. She's
4: like, she takes it out and she like hands it to me to leave.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she like hands it to me to leave. And she's like, I don't even know if like I should be giving this to you. She's like, this feels wrong. And I'm like, no, oh, it's okay. Like it's fine. And it's like it's like when it was when it was right
1: to give me the three valiums last <laughs> night when I got here. Is it wrong to give me the butterfly knife? It's like the worst treatment center I've ever heard of. It's like it's like let me just go to treatment. Let me see if I can score a couple valiums for the <laughs> night.
2: And then I'm done. Time to go home. Time to leave. There's some damage to your room. Um, yeah, just put it on my bill,
1: <laughs>
2: charge it, charge it to the charge it to the room, to the room. <laughs> my room service. All right. So what are we doing today? What are we going? Where are we going with this?
1: Nowhere. Nothing. No, we're going to call.
2: There's this guy. Oh, thank you again, Stephanie. Yeah. Much love. Stephanie, she's an active Twitter person. She's right? a pillar. In our Twitter, community. your Twitter, you have a cult following on Twitter. Not a large following, but a cult following. Uh, we, let's do a couple Twitter questions before we move on. Do to we our have guests. new Twitter questions? Yeah, we do. I love this. You like Twitter? Yeah, I like the Twitter. The funny thing though is half the stuff they ask me, we've already answered multiple times on. So Adobe. what? Shut up. Yeah. Leave them alone. <laughs> All right, on Twitter, let's see. Let's go. Dave posted and said we're recording. Do you have any questions? But Didn't you say we're recording with, with Matt or Yeah, but they, they asked questions of other questions. Okay. It was Stephanie, actually. Okay. Stephanie wants to know... Stephanie, that's why we played the voicemail. You're like, oh, we got to play your voicemail. Yeah.
1: Steph X Slays wants to know, uh, why did you both start using when you did? Did we skip that one?
2: What, why did we start using when we did? Yeah. I guess, I mean... When we first used, I mean, I was a kid, it was like, not peer pressure, but it was like, you know, as a kid. I
1: like, answered that scr- question
2: when Jim was on. Yeah, you had the screwdrivers. and
1: I I, I used because I wanted to, to have fun at parties and not be depressed.
2: I drank the first time when I was 12. We drank my friend's box, mom's box wine. It was with Randall, Smalley, and Jake Himes, and we were in seventh grade. And Where we- are they now? Uh, I don't know. They're probably doing well. Probably didn't blow. Um, like, I bet you they're doing pretty good. Uh, and we drank – I remember this vividly because we drank his mom's box wine. I had probably a little bit more than them, but like two cups of, of you know, of like rosé or some shit. And I remember we went to their basement and Randall pulled out a cigarette out of his shoe. Mm. And I vividly remember this because I remember being like, oh, man, like, no way. Like, I'm not going to smoke a cigarette yet. I think that was like the only time I ever denied myself something. And then really. a year later, I got shit faced and smoked pot. And then from that, I didn't drink for a whole nother year. But from then thirteen on, it was just, just running, just going for it, full throttle.
1: Mine was uh, weed in high school, and then once I got to college, I just figured I would do whatever I could get my hands on, except for except for. Um, crystal math. no I did crystal PCP not, yeah except for angel dust
2: I so, never did but just and it wasn't
1: I, around no I, I tell you my I told you my angel dust story right what? there's a festival at my college yeah and I'm like happy go lucky hippie guy with my corduroy pants and shit yeah. and I'm wandering out in the field and then these two girls were very attractive sitting in the field smoking a pipe yeah and I was like alright I'm gonna get stoned with these girls and they're like you want some and I was like sure and they go it's angel dust yeah and I said no I'm not smoking that you uh.
2: denied Angel. Wow. <laughs> I There was Angel Dust once when I was in Roxbury, and I had no money, and I tried to trade my Texas Instruments TI-93, or 92. I
1: had a TI-99 slash 4A.
2: 99? That's my machine, yeah. That's like next level shit, isn't it? Dude, I- I, re- I tried trading my TI-93 or 92, I don't fucking remember. One of those TIs for, um, for Angel Dust, for PCP, and the guy was like, I can't. This.
1: There was a guy that I worked he with. He wouldn't accept my trade. He wouldn't. He didn't want the Texas instrument for the. No, dust. but in the
2: Caribbean, man, I was this one place. By they'd accept any. Literally anything. They give you like four dollars worth of coke in the old days. So you could you can you can, you can sell like, anything. Take your like t-shirt off, and he'd be like, "Oh, I'll give you a bump." <laughs> 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 what are they going to do with it? Though? I tried trading my. I had those mm. leg braces from the alcoholic neuropathy when it was bad when right. I first yeah. And I tried trading with a leg brace, and it uh, he wouldn't take that though. And I was like, "There's carbon fibers. Like it's worth like three thousand dollars." Like I was like, "I can't do anything with this." That's interesting. So they didn't take any. I can't believe they wouldn't take the carbon fiber but they'll take your t-shirt. They didn't take my t-shirt. They took like a shitty video camera I had. They a took video They camera. Took, no, they took a fucking oh. AM FM radio. I, you know, they're like they're like when five they they're like they like, They gave me like a line. That it's seems like, like five, a great deal. He gets a radio, you get a line. Hey, dude, it's, it's like five, it's like one of those 599 things that they sell like in Staples or uh, Walmart. But or he knew that and he knew a line was worth less than 599 to him. I guess, yeah.
1: Okay, here's another. Okay, Dr. Dizio is one of our followers. He wants a shout-out. Hey, shout-out to Dr. Dizio. What's up, Dr. Diz? He says... Is uh, he a real doctor? That's a good question. Dr. Dizio, are you a real doctor? I will make a nice, short voice message soon with my nice condenser microphone. Big up. Big Big up. up. Um, Who's... Oh, shoot. Who is it? It's my mother-in-law. Oh. Um, Does she want to be on Dopey? I don't think so. (laughs) Um, who's the most famous person I met at work? I would say it was Keanu Reeves. What about
2: Leonardo DiCaprio?
1: Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio? DiCaprio, I mean, him. DiCaprio oh yeah, I did meet him. Yeah, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. What do
2: you, mean? you met him. He just didn't want anything to do with you.
1: Oh yeah, he looked. At, he looked at me like he was scared. Oh, speaking of, of which, let's get to get this out of the way really quick. I had another famous person at work, and I talked to him, and uh, this is what he said. Why doesn't it play? You idiot! Can you get it to play loud?
2: Yeah, speaker. Here, pause, pause it for
1: a second. This is dead air. I know. Pause it. This
2: is dead air. I like the dead air. You do? It's just radically authentic. Is it on now? It's recording. We're just, we're just rolling. Right. Me nah pause dopey. Here, look at, listen to this famous person who is at my job.
0: Hello, this is Ned Stark. You're listening to the Derby Podcast. I've never fancied the milk of the puppy myself, but I understand it's a lure. Stay strong, Derby Nation. And <laughs> There
1: you go, Ned start. Have
2: we played that before? No. That was, was that um, a Dominican guy?
1: No, that was some actor. He was at the table and he wouldn't talk. He was writing down everything he wanted. And mm. I was like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> and he was like, He wrote down, I'm in a play tonight. And I said, well, what play are you in? And he wrote, Game of Thrones, the musical. And I said, well, you you do a uh,
2: shout-out for my show. And Mm -hmm. he did. It was Ned Stark. But why didn't he talk? Because he was saving his voice. He was saving his voice.
1: Yes. He was a fucking jerk-off. Saving his voice for the show.
2: That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Is that Uh a thing? I I guess so. It was
1: obviously a thing. Yeah. And then listen to this one. You ready? Yeah. Are you prepared? Yeah. Are you familiar with the movie, um, whatchamacallit, um... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, New Jack
2: City? I am familiar with uh, New Jack City. I'm Mario Van Peebles. You
0: are listening to the... Give me an answer.
2: Mario Van Peebles. Who is that?
1: The director of New Jack City and one was of the New stars. New York
2: City Wesley Snipes and Lawrence Fishburne or something? Probably. Anyway... Chris Chris rocking it a little bit? He plays a crackhead. He's spooky. Crack yeah.
1: Pookie, that was Mario Van Peebles. It's kind of hacky when you go back and look at it's it. It's not it's not the best movie I ever saw. And I made Mario Van Peebles feel pretty uncomfortable at the restaurant. Why? because uh, that's what I tend to do. Did you do. keep saying drug stuff to him or? I tried to. He was it was pretty
2: weird. The whole thing was pretty weird. Let's <laughs> call this the, guy. Do you think at the end of the interaction with him he liked you?
1: No, I didn't I didn't. <laughs> I don't think so. No. I did. <laughs> I don't think so. Um here we go. Who we're we gonna, call, him, Pookie? We're going to call Ed. Oh, Ed. Dr. Dunbar. Can I say I wonder if I could say it. You might have to bleep that. Oh, you idiot. I'm holding it.
2: This is the sphere, right? You need to hold it right here. So the dopamine in here, right?
1: There you go. Oh, shit. I wasn't supposed to call this number. So before I even do that, I'm going to say, I met this guy at Renaissance in Florida. I,
2: Renaissance, guys, uh, it's kind of like hardcore treatment center um, in terms of, their, not their theoretical orientation, their treatment modality, where it's like sort of a break, you Very door, break you down. Very Break down Yeah, they,
1: they break you down to build you up, but they often forget to build you back up. Yeah. Um, and, and I had talked met, about it ad nauseum. I right. had met his girlfriend in the detox, and like we had kind of had a little thing. Yeah. And then like... While they were together... No, they had, I think they were just finished. Yeah. Like, it was just finished. Yeah. And then he wound up coming into treatment, and they knew that I had, had been involved with his girlfriend a little bit, and they mm. put him in my room. Was there any animosity? No, we became really good friends. We played music together. We wrote a song together. All right. I'll play the song at the end of the episode. Okay. Here we go. And now he's a doctor. Some sort of clinician. Oh, there you go.
0: Well, well, well.
1: (laughs) Ed, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, sir. Isn't that crazy? Bizarre. Can I say your name? Yeah, absolutely. You're Dr. Dunbar? Yeah, I'd like you. Can you say it one more time? Are you Dr. Dunbar? (laughs) How scary is that? Dude, if you had met this guy, uh, and
2: Chris is here, (laughs) this is Ed. Hey, Ed, what's up? I'm Chris. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm good, dude. Ed was like you, but way worse. He was like,
1: he came in out of the, the fucking, you know, the, the bad part of Florida, fucked up with these fucked up clothes. He had these jailhouse tattoos on his legs, the saddest tattoos of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Yeah. So it's like a stick tree done in that green ink on his leg. Oh my
2: god! He, and
1: he's like all grizzly and he had sad eyes yeah. and he was like, I keep relapsing and now he's a doctor he's clean 15 years how'd you do it what happened 12 years but
0: I will take it I have no idea I mean usually folks have these stories of you know all this hope and experience I just have you know sometimes it sucked but I got absolutely tired of the other way so I had to give this way a shot
1: we met like how long ago was that oh god 15 years Something like that. And and so you didn't get it right away? No, absolutely not. Did you? Are you kidding me? I have two years. I have two and a half years. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: absolutely not. No, I came out. I can't remember if I, when we met, if I had already been arrested or if I got arrested after we met. But I know that was a, a pretty big motivator for me. Um, getting to spend a few days in the Miami-Dade County Jail will really sober someone up enough to know that I
1: particularly am not cut out for jail life right i can know so, yeah yeah was, that was a pretty big one for me and you what it was the, What was the plan how did you decide to become a doctor
0: it seemed cool i liked having uh cool letters in front of my name but sure. uh really one of the the big motivators was that I got to work with some really cool counselors, some really good counselors and some really bad ones down in Florida. But the good ones probably inspired me more than the bad ones.
1: At Renaissance or somewhere else?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Renaissance. And there were, I think, some of the better ones I worked with were some of the public uh, rehabs I went through down in Florida. While I was bouncing around from place to place, there were some really good folks that I worked with. Um, But, yeah, they kind of inspired me to want to be able to, to be a counselor and to help other folks out. And then the doctorate, I just had to add that on because it felt cool and it's fun to teach.
1: And where are you now?
0: Montana. I'm in a very small,
1: tiny town. Um, you guys are in Manhattan, right? Well, we're on Long Island right now, but I work in Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. And Chris yes. Chris we're, is in Boston. Uh, yeah. Nice, nice. I uh, applied to a college near Boston.
2: Where did you Obviously apply to?
1: I did
0: not get that job. Uh, Assumption?
2: Oh, okay. Cool. Where did you get your doctorate?
0: uh east carolina university in uh, greenville north carolina oh
2: cool all right
0: yeah but uh, obviously i didn't get the job at assumption but a really cool school um but right now i am in oddly enough a small town called manhattan montana which is tiny
2: but yeah that's where i'm at cool what's it like out in montana what do they do is it hillbillies and math everywhere i mean i I don't know anything about montana but i was I (laughs) i
1: googled that it doesn't seem like you're working with addicts though right no,
0: I'm working with uh, mental health. We do have an addictions program. So, it, I mean, the two overlap so much that we're, we're really doing a, a little bit of each. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Montana, you had it pretty accurate when you were asking about the description there. It is Western. We, only, we moved out here in July, and it has been the biggest culture shock, a good culture shock. But man, it is a different world out here. There's horses on the streets. Wow. Some of the, some of the streets are paved. Some of them are not. Um,
2: Do people walk around bed, with those little which, like weed um, things in their mouth? What was that? Do people walk around with those little weed things? You know, like I mean, those- you have to. It's one of the requirements <laughs> for moving to the state. That's
3: uh, funny.
1: Um, and uh, you don't you, did you decide not to work with addicts or why didn't you become uh, an addiction kind of guy? specialist
0: well that's what I that's what I did in my uh, professional when I was doing counseling I worked pretty much primarily with folks with uh, with addiction issues worked with them for I don't know six or seven years before I went back to get my PhD I worked in an inpatient uh, treatment center for a while and then when I came back really the market it kind of dictated where I went so this is a mental health agency but really i mean not an agency but a a mental health program here at our school but what i teach is the addiction part and i teach some of the group counseling and some of those concepts you use in that
2: cool nice you do a lot of what more supervision than actual when you say teach it what do you mean
0: uh teaching teaching classes uh yeah we we're a graduate program so we're training counselors who who are going out into the to the world but yeah we do supervision and all
2: that fun stuff awesome so wait tell us I mean before I want to hear a little bit more about your story but tell us what your first impression of Dave was if you can remember it. <laughs> oh Dave Dave Dave! Um, I'm
1: sure you can't even that, remember it are you kidding me he was out of his mind you remember it
0: yeah I, re- oh, I definitely remember meeting uh, meeting Dave um, and he's probably similar now just from the, the voice and from a little bit of podcast I've listened listen to uh, he reminded me – I'm trying to figure out how to describe this while sounding genuine but not uh, offensive. He reminded me like of a puppy,
2: <laughs> if that
0: makes sense. Like kind of cheery and always uh, – kind of your typical extrovert, cheery and joyful, and he had a uh, kind of a magnetic personality that made you want to be around him. He was also a little bit narcissistic, but it worked for him somehow. So yeah. It was a, kind of a cool combo, but I did, I remember liking him uh, the first time I met him.
1: Well, we had a lot of fun. We, we had a lot of fun. It, and ain't nothing I same. hate to say it, but can you believe we're not rock stars? <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised, personally. <laughs> yeah. I, and, uh, at the end of this episode, yeah. I'm going to play that song that we developed together, which ended which with... Which one? Ended I with. have a bone to
0: pick with you on that, because I think you had the lyric, I swear it was about
1: buying turkey. <laughs> I don't think it was. It was it was it ended with twenty 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 blind? Why would I have where did I get turkey? Because he said buy one, get one free. How can you two disagree? Two pounds of she, turkey, it was two pounds of turkey. Down at old Dixie. Oh, <laughs> down at a... Win Dixie. Yeah, I I think what happened was way- I wrote amazing lyrics and then you made fun of me and you said yes. Buy the turkey at Win Dixie, and I was pissed because I'm a narcissist. And I was like, "How could you fucking step on my good shit with that turkey Dixie crap?" That
0: could be accurate, but I swear there was turkey in that song somewhere. If the, how could you write a song without turkey? And that's what I want to know.
1: Well, if you're rhyming those rhymes, it was it was a spot to put them. And I'll tell you this though, Ed, you and I knew each other. I don't think more than sixty days. I think, I think we knew each yeah. other 60 days, maybe 90 days, and it was, uh-huh. it was a very enjoyable time. And I always wondered what happened to you. And, yeah. um, and uh, I, I'm in touch with maybe one or two people from Renaissance. Uh-huh. And, and, I, and they, I ask about you, and I swear to God, I was going to even say on Dopey, there was this fucked up junkie cab driver that <laughs> that I met in Renaissance. Does anyone know where he is? And then out of nowhere, Ed emails me because he heard Dopey. No shit. So where did you hear it? Really bizarre.
2: I was having one of those moments of, hey,
0: I wonder whatever happened to blank, and I was like, well, let me see where Dave is, and I typed it in, I came across the uh, your other uh, t- uh, series um, right. uh, on YouTube, and then I bounced over and happened to see something about Dopey Podcast, and I was like, what? what the hell is this, let me check this out, oh, look, bam, and as soon as I turned it on, I think yours was the first voice, and I was like, okay, well,
2: there's <laughs> Dave. <laughs> That's so funny, right? That's hilarious. Yeah, that was. it was really bizarre, though,
1: it was cool, though. No. I remember I was like, they had considered me somehow the most toxic personality at Renaissance, so they yep. wouldn't let me go to meetings. So we would have our own meetings on the screen porch. Do you remember that?
0: I do recall that, and I cannot re- remember what you did to actually, ha- I mean, when you really stop and think about this, to have a rehab tell you, <laughs> no, you cannot go to meetings, we don't want you to affect them. I mean, that takes some doing.
2: Yeah, you think the most toxic person would really need the meeting, right? <laughs> it's, I guess a different approach, but I cannot remember what you
1: did to cause that, but now that you say that, I do remember it. What I think it was, it was my happy-go-lucky way. It really, it really bothers people, that, that thing that, that I just walk around. like Because Chris says when he met me, I was exactly the same yeah. as you describe, and I think that uh-huh. clinicians in a the rehab, they don't want anyone
2: like that. They don't want anyone to be, like, having fun. And- well, Renaissance is, from what you've described, it's that sort of old modality where they want you to be, like, taking it serious and upset. So, like, constantly happy-go-lucky. They're like, he's in denial. It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I think it's a, it's a decent place, but no one is going
0: to stick with something if it's just
1: misery. There's no way. Yeah. Well, that's the point of Dopey. The point of Dopey is the joy of being on the other side of it. It's the crazy stories that we had done. And it's also the absurdity. You know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. The absurdity of being recovered and preaching recovery and and having been such a debauched character. It's like (laughs) such a a weird thing, isn't it? It is. It's quite bizarre when
0: you really stop and think about it and I've never really heard it heard it put that way but it's really cool to see you guys doing what you're doing um, you know there's so many addiction shows and podcasts and it's like you, you can almost feel the dramatic music that needs to go with them and it's just nobody wants to do that
1: or is it so much more fun
0: yeah absolutely if you're not going to have fun in sobriety what's the point of doing it it's yeah, yeah exactly
1: Ed tell us a fucking horrible dopey story
0: oh man i I don't have any, uh, Liar. like, really cool <laughs> stories. I can think of one that pops in my head, but really the whole time is just so gray and bleak, and I hate to seem dr- melodramatic. No, you there, were bleak. It was, like, it was, it was a... When you say jailhouse tattoos, I mean, I literally do have a Christmas tree on my leg. Like, when I hear jailhouse tattoos, I think, oh, that's probably something cool from a, a rough dude, but...
1: You gotta send us a picture game. of it. Can you send us a picture? We can put it on Instagram? Yeah, I can do
0: that. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you right now. Um... I can think of one when I was a cab driver. Um, It was right before... It was actually my last day cab driving was that I had wrecked the cab. I had nodded off when I was driving uh, somewhere in in Delray and hit a car in front of me and that car hit the car in front of them. Um, But apparently the cab was still good to go so they had me continue to finish out my shift. Me knowing it was my last day, uh, I remember going... 'Cause I had to drive about an hour to to get to get dope. And I remember driving down to get that knowing it was gonna be my last day. Where would you go?
1: Opalaka? So, Opalaka. Yeah. That's Opalaka <laughs> wherever,
0: wherever. wherever. Uh, is that part of Miami or I don't I, know. I don't even know.
1: I just love the yeah. name. <laughs>
0: it was a, a dirty, grimy town is what yeah. I remember, which felt right at home. Um but what I did was I took, I remember stealing the cab company's money because they would give you all the money, basically all the money you made. You owed them a certain part. But I, I decided I was going to take all of the money, and then I scratched up my face so it would look like I was robbed.
2: And <laughs>
0: I actually went back to the cab station. And it's so bizarre now to think back about it that I convinced myself I was robbed. Like I remember sitting there in the – uh the cab company like i was crying like i was like i can't believe this has happened to me this terrible thing completely made
1: up um, <laughs> so you were crying because you were sad probably
0: i don't know why i was crying but i know that i could do it on command and you would you might not be but a lot of people would be surprised at how well that works
2: yeah it's like the george costanza method of lying you have, you have to, to believe it. the lie <laughs> yeah. absolutely if you believe it it's the <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, but that's,
0: that's the one that
2: pops in my head. That's Ed, pretty good. I knew a guy that he went to go cop and a bunch of his friends gave him money and what he did is he just kept all the money, bought the drugs, kept the drugs, and he had his other friend beat his face up with a wiffle ball bat. And oh god. <laughs> why with a wiffle ball because, bat? Because them? it does a lot of damage but it doesn't do real damage. Right. <laughs> so he looked horrible, you know, and he came back and the people believed him. <laughs> Yeah. A sad story. oh man,
1: And Ed, and Ed you, were, you, I'm sure you remember that girl Dory. Oh yeah, that's one of the reasons we met. We were both the uh, pulling the rehab, um, the rehab romance car. Well, I think they put us together because of that. I think yeah. that was the yeah. thing. Um, it was their social experiment.
0: I remember that, but I also remember like I, I think we
1: kind of. Moved on at that point, so I was like, "Oh, cool! I kind of like this guy." Yeah, well, like, yeah, it was. I, I I saw Dory in in Detox, and I never saw her again after that. But I was yeah. so weak and high in Detox that it was like somebody in Florida likes me. It was <laughs> that was the idea yeah, in my Somebody's head. paying attention to me. But she she's in touch with me on Facebook. She's married. Uh-huh. She has two kids. And oh, I, cool. and I asked her about you. And she was uh-huh. like, "I don't know what happened to him." And now, I like, can now if I ever if I ever get a minute, I'll tell her that you're doing well and better than everybody else, which is great. Oh, nice. It's It's good to hear
0: that so many folks came out the other side.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's but she's like, I mean, listen, she's conducting her life somehow. Like she was never an addict. Like she drinks occasionally. She hangs out. Whatever, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, Whatever works, I guess. As long as it, you know, as long as her life is not miserable, because she was like intense. I mean, it's an exception to yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very rare to hear about that, especially her. She was so messed up. They would like do like monthly funerals for her at the the rehab, yeah, where they would lay her out in a coffin and stuff. Dig your own grave. It's hard to think about places that, that, that did that. I guess whatever whatever works for them. That place was was was, um, was the reason I lost my low income housing in Manhattan. I mean, really, it was my addiction that lost it. But that place was the conduit to having my parents say they didn't want to pay for me anymore. But ah, uh, the enabling stopped. Yes, and um, what about? And I heard that guy McNally uh, relapsed and left that place. Is that a true story? I did not. Well, no, I didn't hear about that. I heard he relapsed on crystal and, and disappeared. Ooh,
0: I can see that. Yeah, me too. He left as mysteriously as he arrived, I suppose.
1: But who's to say? I don't know any... That's just all uh, me guessing. You know, who's yeah. to say? I'm still in touch with uh, Robert Johnson. I don't know if you... Did you work with him at all? I didn't, but I love his uh, Crossroad Blues. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I didn't work with him, but I knew him. He was a good guy, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's. I think he's one of the directors there now. He's doing really well. Super great.
1: And whatchamacallit, that, the drummer, that Dallas... Uh, What's Dallas Taylor from Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I thought had something to do with it, too. Do with what? I thought he was one of the directors of Karen who took over uh, Renaissance. Oh, I did not. Huh. Look at that. They're moving on up. Well, that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully it's good. Um, and uh, so you, you've taken a break from working with addicts, though. What, what made you move yeah, away he from He is
2: it? a little bit. He's just doing general mental health teaching and that uh, includes addiction. But
1: why don't you don't feel like the need to Do you go to meetings still, Ed? No, I
0: don't. I, man, I tried those over and over, and eventually I had to get to the part where I realized that method
1: didn't work for me. Hmm. So what what do you attribute to your, uh, your uh, sobriety?
0: Um, I guess I would attribute it to embracing the fact that I enjoy altered states of consciousness, hmm. but having to figure out healthy ways of doing that. So for me, those healthy ways and pretty big into meditation um, running spending time with family uh, uh, the other stuff is easier but it, it comes with too many negative consequences for me
1: right you got kids no <laughs> I, I would be
0: <laughs> terrible at that I'm, I'm still pretty entitled and, and selfish
1: so, uh, no. how about yourself? I do. I have a I have a daughter. I have an eight year seven, oh, nice. just about eight year old daughter, and she's great. And it's good. That is awesome, man. Congrats. Thank you. It is good. It's really good. It's so good to hear you, man. I'm so excited yeah. that that we get to talk like this. And yeah, uh, definitely. And I'd like to talk to you outside of this too. <laughs> yeah, please. I will. Um, anything else you want to you want to say to the Dopey Nation before we get out of here? Parting, parting part, words. Parting wisdom. I wish I had some really good words to tell you, some
0: something inspiring, but I really don't. I could make up something.
1: Uh, oh, you know what? You uh, know what I want you to say? Because we always push 12-step on the audience, and Chris is always like, well, you could do it without 12-step. And I always think to myself, well, I don't really know anybody that did that. Yeah. And now here you are. So why don't you throw okay. some suggestions out to, to the community that don't want to go to meetings?
0: Oh, so the suggestions I would have would be just except that sometimes reality is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Things feel bad. Things feel uh, unfortunate. Shitty things still happen, but uh, you don't have to ride the highs and lows of it. There's a way to be stable without uh, 12-step meetings. They work. If they work for you, great, but at some point it, it took for me to embrace the fact that they were that it was madness for me to continue to try to jam that um, that model down my throat if it wasn't working for me. Um, I think I started to believe the fact that people would say, you're going to relapse if you do this, you're going to relapse if you do that. And for for me, uh, I proved them right time and time and time again, I relapsed. Um, so what worked for me was counseling, uh, working on spirituality, and then getting employment finding some different meaning in my life.
1: Nice. Beautiful. There you go. Thank you so much. Ed. It's great to hear you. Indeed.
0: Stay in touch, and I will uh, text you over my sweet jailhouse tattoo momentarily.
2: <laughs> Please do. Awesome. Alrighty. Thank you, brother. Indeed. Thanks for having me on, guys. Love yeah. it. Thank you. Bye. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. That's cool, well, a nice guy, man. Right? You know what's funny is I just said thank you, brother, and the way I said it had this like southern draw to you, it's it. it's because you're a fucking people he pleaser. Southern... Yeah, brother. I wasn't even conscious. I know so. that's how I fucking you just... sick you
1: are deep down. <laughs>
2: it's deep inside me. But dude. I'll tell
1: you one. I know it's okay. But one thing I feel sick about is I've had no nutrition today, and dude, I feel you had fucking graham crackers I, I, and I, seltzer. I, you know what I ate over here? I ate like. You, a, you had a bite of arugula. I had a granola bar on the way over here. I, had call- I feel sick to my stomach. It's disgusting. I need like a nice salad and meat. Yeah, I could use that, but you refused me when we were starting. Um, I got an email.
2: Should we read an email? Yeah. You want to read it? Uh, yeah. Why don't you read Can I- it? I'd like to. See where it says Chris, Dave. So this there. is Pat. Yeah. Chris, Dave. How are you
1: guys doing? I'm good. Good. Me too. Hope all is well. I love the show, and I recommend it to everyone. If I had an iTunes account, I would, 100%, excuse me, I would 100% give you guys awesome reviews. I listen on Podbean. I sent out a couple emails previous to this one, but never heard back.
2: I, I responded to this one. though. <laughs> Hope all is
1: well, and hopefully I get a shout back one day. I'm just a big fan and want to be a part of the dopey experience. I figured I'd share with you guys a dopey story that I have. I have a lot of stories, but the one I'm going to share with you is the one that landed me in AA and in recovery. I've been doing drugs and drinking alcohol since I was 14, and started to develop an opiate habit once I turned 20. I'm 31 now. It started with Perc 30s, but then got they got too expensive, so I moved on to heroin. I had been using heroin for close to six years, so almost two years to this date. Uh, On January 11th, 2016, I had purchased a gram of heroin from my dealer early in the morning and had myself set up for the day. At the time, I was working for a heating and air conditioning company as a service tech, so I would drive from house to house fixing their furnaces. I always copped first thing in the morning, because who the hell can go to work while dope sick? Me too. So it was early in the morning when I did my first hit, and it was an extremely cold day in northeast Ohio, and I had tons of service calls everything was going fine throughout the day i kept high i was able to fix everyone's stuff and i was close to having my last couple calls i think around 7 p.m i did my final hit of heroin yes i was using around a half a gram to a full gram a day and my next service call was about 20 miles away from where i was the last thing i remember was throwing away the fold of paper that i used to hold my dope I woke up in an ambulance with two police officers and two EMTs all staring at me. I remember being in a state of pure panic, having no idea where I was or what happened. My mouth was so dry and my ears were ringing so loud, I learned that I had overdosed and had just been administered Narcan. The EMT explained to me what happened. I guess I had driven my work truck, which is the two-ton truck, all the way to my next call, which was about 20 miles away from where I had Done the last of my heroin. They told me that I hit a tree. Thank God it wasn't someone. And that they found me slumped over the wheel of my truck. The person who called the police slash ambulance was the customer that I was supposed to be fixing their furnace. Thank God for her. I must have OD'd with a cigarette in my hand and it ended up burning me very badly on my left hand. They took me to our local hospital and there I was given a blood test and taken in for whatever overdose procedure they had. They have. As I was laying in the hospital bed, with all kinds of emotions running through my head, the cops questioned me about what happened and what was wrong with me. Again, my memory is extremely foggy, but I guess I admitted to the cops that I had a heroin problem. I told the cops that I had done heroin throughout the day and that I was struggling with the addiction. That, of course, was plastered in the paper the next day. Local heating and cooling employee wrecks work truck and admitting to having heroin addiction. (laughs) This was not one of my brightest moments. But you have to understand that I was in this complete state of shock. So I guess these cops had called my employer and explained what happened. They told me that I was hit with Narcan and that I had overdosed. My employer, in turn, had apparently called my father. As the cops were questioning me, my dad walked into the hospital room. I remember my dad asking what happened. I remember telling him that I have a drug addiction and that I am a heroin addict. I remember him breaking down... I remember breaking down in tears after seeing how sad and upset he was. My dad is my biggest supporter and has tried to help me since day one and has always been there for me. He is my fucking hero. So eventually the doctor came in to see me to make sure I was all right. Turns out that the doctor was a girl that I had graduated high school with. I dated her best friend all four years of school. She knew me very, very well. As if things weren't shitty enough, my self-esteem and what little dignity I had went right down the shitter after seeing her. Man, that sucked so bad. Looking back on it now, I should have never cared about what she thought of me. <clears throat> Since I had gotten a blood test and the cops never found anything in my truck, I was never arrested. I was cited for OVI. What's OVI? What's OVI?
2: I don't know, some operating overdose. a vehicle, yeah. cited OUI.
1: It was a typo. Incited for failure to maintain control, but was not put in handcuffs, and I was released that night. The cop proceeded to give me back my belongings: cigarettes, phone, wallet. After the cop left and some time had passed, I opened up my wallet and made sure everything was still there. I guess the cops didn't bother to look at it because I had a couple of empty suboxone wrappers along with a full suboxone wrapper that I had kept in case of an emergency where I couldn't cop, in case I couldn't cop for some reason. I also had empty paper folds that most definitely had heroin residue on them. I for sure caught a a break. So after that day, I went into a deep depression and began to drink myself to death, basically. Morning, afternoon, and night, I drank more and more whiskey. I didn't know how to cope with all of these losses. Finally, I found the rooms of AA and have been on the right track ever since. I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that sobriety would make life so much better and easier. I have had some slips and sometimes I fall flat on my face, but I never ever want to go back to that hell I was in. I don't ever want to see that face my dad had that day. I'm very lucky that so many circumstantial events happened for me at the right place and the right time. I was able to pull myself out of that early grave I was about to be permanently buried in. I apologize. If this was too long, but I had to share the details, maybe this will help someone else. Maybe they will realize that this too can they too can get clean and sober. So Chris and Dave, I would love to hear back from you or hear that you acknowledge this email. Uh, P.S. I had to take a drug test the next day for work. I went and gave a urine analysis, but for some reason I didn't fail or have anything in my system. Do you know? Uh, do you or anyone know if Narcan somehow blocks... Uh, The opiate that shows up in tests. Say, stay strong, dopey nation. Minase toodles. Minase toodles. Do you know if the Narcan does that? No, it does not. So maybe maybe the the dope was just
2: fentanyl, and it was like a like one of those shitty urinalysis, not lab. Or maybe you got lucky. It's a great story, A cautionary tale. Could have been much worse, you know. They caught a lucky break. Great story. You know what I was thinking about? No. You know it'd be extremely unpleasant, what? but I wonder if like no one would ever do this, right? It is either way. Okay, let's say somebody's like dope sick, you know, and they narcan them, and I mean, you get narcan, and you instantly feel panic, you know what I mean, and like yeah. you come out of it. Yeah. Imagine if they narcan you and at the same time hit you with cocaine, like narcan mixed with cocaine. <laughs> Imagine what that would feel like. It'd be horrible. <laughs> It'd be like the worst
1: feeling. But but like, like, for example, like Matt, that, just, Matt, I Pinfield, picture it. Matt Pinfield only
2: did ups. Like yeah. for some people, I think they would like, like it. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering, okay, if somebody's not dope sick okay, and they shoot heroin. You're on a, a good nod, and then you get hit with Narcan. You don't get dope sick. It just stops the heroin, you know, just a big swing. So let's say somebody's not dope sick. Uh-huh. They shoot heroin. They're on a killer nod, right? Yeah. And then you hit them with Narcan mixed with Coke. It's like Coke with a boost, almost.
1: <laughs> it sounds so... Um- I just Even <laughs> reading that story, like, I felt what he was talking about. Like, Ugh. I felt, like, what it was like to... Because I would wake up and I would I would shoot dope first thing in the It'd morning. Like, what happened? And, and and I and I and I've woken up in ambulances and like and I've had stuff still in my wallet and like just those feelings. They like it's like I literally live my life like I didn't do that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. it does not have anything to do with my day to day. Talking to Eddie, reading that story. Having heroin be such a focal point of dopey, and 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 dopey being such a focal point of my life, but it's not about the fact that the drugs to me, yeah, like the drugs are so fucking, yeah, 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 like it's not. And then when I read it, it's like holy shit, I did this stuff, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, and it's it's like almost like somebody else, surreal, you know. And um, I appreciate, I really appreciate that that email, and I really appreciate what Ed said about the not twelve step approach because. When you when you often say like whatever you can do that's good that isn't necessarily that I'm like you're bullshitting because nobody fucking but it's makes okay it. when he says it no, no 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 because he has twelve years and didn't go to AA you yeah. go to AA but what never- is his solution his solution is everything you always suggest
2: I'm just saying it's cool but how does it how does it compare to some of the. Um, underpinnings of the 12-step program. It was a spiritual solution in the end. You know, that's what he said. He just, he's more
1: defiant than I am. He's a very defiant person. He doesn't want people telling him what to do. He could seek it out for himself. What are you doing over there with that book? Um, I wanted to to read something that really struck me as dopey. All
2: right. And I really liked it. Also, just before, because we're getting close to the end, just want to throw out, drop us a review on iTunes, please. We overpassed Omar... Who is a lovely, lovely man. We randomly, just uh, before we started recording this, we randomly uh, FaceTimed with Omar, Omar of the Share Podcast. Uh, what the fuck am I saying? Oh, uh, reviews on iTunes, follow us on uh, Facebook or like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, Reddit, all that bullshit.
1: Um, I, I love uh, that Twitter is really coming in handy all of a sudden. Yeah. That's fun. Um, in this book, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I had fucking... Here we go. Um, in, in There is a Solution, Chapter yeah. 2, there's this passage that I thought was very,
2: like, one of the reasons... This is that, what they read in the preamble, right?
1: I don't know. Um, I don't go to A that much. Go ahead. But I just found this to be, like, one of the reasons that dopey is what it is. Uh, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution, we have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news uh, this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. And what I, I don't, what I mean by that is because we come out and we're bonded by the fact that we were so fucking sick and yeah. now we're not. And it's just a beautiful thing. And we're not a glum lot. We're not a glum lot. There's so much fire in there, dude. Um. But I feel like a preacher when I read the book. I want to play the song that me and Eddie wrote. Okay,
2: and then we'll close out. We'll yeah. close out with the song? Yeah. Okay, so just to rehash, this is the song that Dave wrote with the guest in rehab 15 years ago. Oh, yes. it's it's It goes.
4: If it's not meant to be, it's nothing new to me. She took all my money. 2020 blind blind i need a need an i want now daddy i want i want a i want a now blind 2020, 2020,
2: 2020, Daddy Blind. <laughs> You'll have to describe the end of that to me. What is Blind? You know, in retrospect, it's
1: really not the best song we ever came up with. Yeah. It was about the girl. The song was about the girl Dory, like yeah. this wild girl who yeah. wanted to get drugs and stuff, and when you can't wait any longer, you know. You know. Yeah. And then the end, it was from Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, where she says, I want an Oompa Loompa now, Daddy. And uh, 2020 is like, you either see 2020 or you're blind. Uh, but we were in treatment, so it's not uh, the best song we ever came up <laughs> with. But that was that. All
2: yeah, right, it was pretty good. You mm-hmm. liked it? I yeah. liked
1: it, yeah. There was a song I wanted to do in honor of um, um, Andrew, but we'll save that for another time. Let's do it in the next one. You got any them.
2: closing remarks for the Dopey Nation?
1: Stay strong, my brethren and sistren. And toodles. I say doodles.
5: I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch airplanes aeroplanes just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had. And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller. And it's high noon where I stand. Shadows getting smaller and smaller. And it's high noon where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind. When I leave this busted city far behind. I'll take the high road however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good, so bad want to be good, so bad, so bad I want to be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had.